and the firm isn't so rich that we can afford i'm going on a holiday and i need money cadogan waved away a mosquito which was circling round his head y- yes of course but surely some more dance lyrics let me inform you my dear irwin here cadogan tapped his publisher monetarily on the chest that i've been held up for two months over a dance lyric because I can't think of a rhyme for British. Skittish? suggested Mr. Spode feebly. Cadogan gazed at him contemptuously. Besides which, he pursued, I am sick and tired of earning my living from dance lyrics. I may have an aged publisher to support, he tapped Mr. Spode again on the chest, but there are limits. Mr. Spode wiped his face with a handkerchief. His profile was almost a pure semicircle, the brow high and receding towards his bald head, the nose curving inward in a hook, and the chin nestling back, weak and pitiful, into his neck. Perhaps, he ventured, twenty-five pounds? Twenty-five pounds? Twenty-five pounds? Cadogan wagged his revolver menacingly, How can I have a holiday on twenty-five pounds? I'm getting stale, my good Irwin. I'm sick to death of St. John's Wood. I have no fresh ideas. I need a change of scene, new people, excitement, adventures. Like the later Wordsworth, I'm living on my spiritual capital. The later Wordsworth, Mr. Spode giggled, and then, suspecting he had committed an impropriety, fell abruptly silent. But Cadogan pursued his homiletic regardless. I crave, in fact, for romance. That is why I'm learning to shoot with a revolver. That is also why I shall probably shoot you with it if you don't give me fifty pounds. Mr. Spode stepped back alarmedly. I'm becoming a vegetable. I'm growing old before my time. The gods themselves grew old, when Frera was snatched from tending the golden apples. You, my dear Irwin, should be financing a luxurious holiday for me, instead of quibbling in this paltry fashion over fifty pounds. Perhaps you'd like to stay with me for a few days at Caxton's Folly. Can you give me adventure? Excitement? Lovely women? These picaresque fancies said Mr. Spode. Of course, there's my wife. He would not have been wholly unwilling to sacrifice his wife to the regeneration of an eminent poet, or, for the matter of that, to anyone for any reason. Elsie could be very trying at times. Then, he proceeded hopefully, there's this American lecture tour. I've told you, Irwin, that must not be mentioned again. I can't lecture in any case. Cadogan began to stride up and down the lawn. Mr. Spode noticed sadly that a small bald patch was beginning to show in his close-cropped dark hair. I have no wish to lecture. I decline to lecture. It's not America I want. It's Poitem or Logue. I repeat, I am getting old and stale. I act with calculation. I take heed for the morrow. This morning I caught myself paying a bill as soon as it came in. This must all be stopped. 
In another age I should have devoured the living hearts of children to bring back my lost youth. As it is, he stopped by Mr. Spode and slapped him on the back with such enthusiasm that the unfortunate man nearly fell over. I shall go to Oxford. Oxford? Ah, Mr. Spode recovered himself. He was glad of this temporary reprieve from the embarrassing claims of business. A very good idea. I sometimes regret moving my business into town, even after a year. One can't have lived there as long as I did without feeling occasionally homesick. Complacently, he patted the rather doggy petunia waistcoat, which corseted his plump little form, as though this sentiment somehow redounded to his own credit. And well you may be. Cadogan wrinkled his patrician features into a grimace of great severity. Oxford.